Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio as well as iHeartRadio. And I have that. Look, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm still recovering over the last couple of days of just everything going on in the world of sports. Usually I start the show and I'm always like, oh, you know, it was a wild week. This happened. That happened. It's it was refreshing. It was fun. It's different to actually say, hey, you know what? The biggest thing going on in sports is the actual sports. No controversies like, you know, off the court, off the field. Everything that, you know, is being discussed today, or even should I say like all the sounds that I'm playing today are from just a wild, wild week in sports. You had the Stanley Cup finals come to an end. You know, the Washington Capitals finally getting that first cup. You got, a, you know, that first cup for Ovechkin. That was such a huge deal. That happened. Then the uh, the very next day, you have the NBA Finals come to an end in a sweep. May not have been as dramatic because the biggest thing in that was now LeBron is going to be a free agent. Where does he go? All these different options. Is it going to be Philadelphia? Is it going to be L.A.? This is going to be a whole story. Uh, just that ending and how surprising the fact that it was a sweep. I mean, let's really put it in perspective. Fourth straight year. First time there's a sweep between these two teams there. They know each other so well. And LeBron James being the superstar that he is, I was expecting a lot more out of him in that final game. I'm going to go into a full discussion with uh, one of LeBron's biggest fans, Danny Class A, a little later in the show. And he gives his assessment of it. It was just an odd series if you're a, uh, a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, because the Cavs may not be the same after this. And can you really blame him? I mean, they, they were not. They just weren't competitive outside of that first game and uh, parts of game three. It just wasn't much of a series, but I'm going to save a lot of that for my, my conversation with Danny a little bit later. Uh, also, uh, this past week, we have a triple crown winner. Yes, a triple crown winner now for the first time since 2015, where American Pharaoh was the uh, triple crown winner. We we have uh, Justify, the uh, latest horse, undefeated horse to earn that crown as he won the 150th Belmont Stakes this past weekend. It's an uh, incredible feat. A lot of excitement behind that. Going to play the audio for that as well. And just the even, mind you, those were like the main things. Like, you know how you talk about like the, the main event? Those are the main event stuff going on. And just under that, you had the French Open, which was amazing. Um, you had a great women's final. The men's final was amazing. Now you got... Nadal back on top. He wins again. Uh, UFC, CM Punk gets beat up again. I mean, at this point, look, I'm going to have a whole show dedicated to UFC coming up before the season is through. I am going to discuss just the the importance of having CM Punk a part of UFC. Is it really that important? Uh, is he still that big a draw for a guy that when he goes out there, he's looking like an amateur. He's getting beat down. I believe he should still go back to wrestling. I know he just won his lawsuit against WWE, but there's always rumors that he may go to the big all-in event that's going to be thrown by the Bullet Club uh, in September because it will also be in Chicago. That's a whole thing. Um, I do want to talk about him later down in, in future shows because it's getting disturbing now. Come on, CM Punk, like, I'm a fan of you as a wrestler. I'm just tired of seeing you get beat up all the time and this becoming a, a story because it's really a non-story now. You shouldn't be in pay-per-views. Your name is still selling from what you did in WWE. I'm just calling it like it is. You know, it just it's just stop it. Just please stop. Enough, you know. 
Uh, there were some championship boxing matches that were also going on. And, uh, oh, yeah, you know, any other time, this would actually be a lead story, maybe even on this show. But it's not because of everything that was going on. How about the Subway Series? Yankees and Mets. Yankees took two out of three in Queens. Um, not a lot of excitement, but it was some fun things. There's always a, a moment between the two, no matter what. Uh, the Mets are not doing as well as the Yankees, as you would expect. And uh, it was just such a, a, a nothing storyline when you talk about all the different things going on in sports. So, like I said, the NBA Finals coming to an end. You got the NHL Stanley Cup Finals as well coming to an end. Back-to-back days. All, both kind of early because the Stanley Cup Finals ended four games to one. Shout-outs to the Vegas Golden Knights. You're talking about a team that is an expansion team. Found a way to take a bunch of throwaway players and turn them into championship contenders. Remember, they won Game One of the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's a uh, it's really a, a a real shock that this team has gotten as far as it did. Uh, it's just a testament to you never know what you got with players. If they would have won the whole thing, I think would have made a heck of a movie, especially with everything that went on in Vegas to uh, begin the season, the tragedy, the shootings that happened over there. It was just an amazing year that I don't think we'll ever see again from an expansion team. So uh, shout-outs to them. Um, Just, like I said, a a lot of things going on to the point that I have to even cut my monologue a little short because I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to just relive what happened these past couple days. And to start it off, here's the running of the uh, 150th Belmont Stakes and Justify Securing the Triple Crown. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. When we come back after that, we're going to jump right into the NBA Finals coverage. Justify in stall one. Will he take his place in history? As blended citizen goes in, their only line, we are ready for a start. They're off in the 150th Belmont Stakes. And it was a very good beginning for Justify, who goes immediately to the early lead in the race to the first turn. So it will be justified to set the pace here. And there on the outside goes Restoring Hope, the other Bob Baffert trainee, who's wide into that turn and in running in second position. Right in behind them in third is Bravazo. Noble Indy is off the pace. And then on the inside comes Tenfold. The opening quarter mile was a swift one. 23.37 seconds. Very fast pace for Justify, who will lead the field onto the backstretch here with his stablemate, Restoring Hope, sitting in second. And on the inside, Bravazo is third. Noble India is fourth, tenfold fifth. Vino Rosso sixth. The blended citizen on the outside, followed by Hofberg and Free Drop Billy. Gronkowski is last. They've slowed things down a bit. 48.11 was the half. That's just a bit faster than American Pharoah went three years ago. Justify and Mike Smith, the Kentucky Derby and Preakness winner, head up the backstretch in the Belmont Stakes with a length lead. Restoring Hope on the outside is second. Bravazo is down toward the inside. Noble Indy is next. Vino Rosso is close up running in fifth. He's five lengths off the lead. Three quarters went in one minute, 13.21 seconds. Halfway home in the Belmont. And then comes tenfold on the inside of Blended Citizen. Hofberg is drafting in behind horses. Six lengths off the lead. Free drop Billy and Gronkowski the last of them all. And Mike Smith and Justify make their run into the far turn. They've got a two-length lead. Restoring hope is put to a ride as Vino Rosso begins to rev it up on the outside. Bravazo is down toward the rail. They've run a mile in 138.09 seconds. 
Justify is the leader, but it's just a half-length advantage here. Vino Rosso comes under a ride. Mike Smith is not as justified to go just yet. Justify a length lead here as they come to the top of the stretch. Vino Rosso is second. Hoffberg comes on the scene, and Gronkowski has cut the corner, and they're into the stretch. And Justify comes roaring home to a raucous Belmont Park with one furlong to run. Gronkowski and Hoffberg trying to run him down. Vito Rosso is fourth, but 16th to go. Justify is still there. Justify from Gronkowski. He's just perfect. And now he's just immortal. Justify is the 13th Triple Crown winner. Gronkowski was second. Hoffberg was third. And Vito Rosso was fourth. Justify has done it. iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to Offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. Final seconds here of this 2018 NBA season. There's the buzzer. There's a new dynasty in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors champions once again, back-to-back titles, three in four years, and the latest with a sweep. Please direct your attention to center court for the presentation of the Larry O'Brien Trophy and the 2018 Bill Russell NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Award. Please welcome ABC's Doris Burke. Ladies and gentlemen, with us tonight representing the ownership group for the Golden State Warriors, Joe Lacob and Peter Goober, and to present the NBA Championship Trophy, please welcome NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Thank you, Doris. First of all, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Four final appearances in four years, an NBA championship, and another incredible season. Congratulations to Dan Gilbert, Kobe Altman, Coach Lou. Thank you for all you do for the league. And to the fans of Northeast Ohio, thank you as well. And to the Golden State Warriors, owners Joe Laco, Peter Goober, GM Bob Myers, where is he? Steve Kerr. Coach Kerr and this incredible organization, thank you for the basketball played at the highest level. And now, the 2000 NBA champions, Golden State Warriors.
eight years ago, or just about there, you took over an organization that, while you had a passionate fan base, you were struggling to get any momentum on the basketball floor. So how does four straight finals, three titles in five years, match up with the vision you had when you first bought the organization? Well, I think, honestly, there's no way to have this kind of expectation to do this well. It's an amazing thing. Our general manager, Bob Myers, put together an incredible team. Steve Kerr coaching, Rick Welts, our business side, and these players, unbelievable. They have been phenomenal. They deserve all the credit in the world. But the truth is, you have to dream. And I will say, we did dream this, Peter and I. I can't say we expected it, but we did dream it, and you have to dream first. Congratulations. 19,000 people who were knowledgeable basketball fans and stuck with this team for a long time through some lean years. They're back in Oracle. What would you say to them? Well, everyone says they have the greatest fans in the world. And by the way, I want to celebrate Cleveland and the, you know, the Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert and LeBron James. Fantastic. But we do have the greatest fans in the world. And I love you guys, all of you. Thank you for supporting us all these years. Congratulations. Peter, your specialty is storytelling. It is not often that the sequel is as good as the original, but back-to-back, -back, which is incredibly rare. What kind of satisfaction do you take in that accomplishment? Well, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> uh, it's just great, the idea that, you know, this adversary, if you will, the Cleveland Cavaliers make it a worthy movie to win with. So they're worthy adversary, and every, every movie needs an adversary, and this was a great one. This team, these people, this cast has been unbelievable, totally deserving. I'm glad to be a part of it. My partner, Joe, and all the players, I love you guys. Congratulations, Peter. Steve. Because you played so long and also experienced extended success as a player, you know that this is a challenge. And this was maybe not the easiest year to get this, but you ended up here. So how did this group do it ultimately? I know you have talent, but it's more than that. This was the hardest year we've had, uh, you know, of, of the three championships by far. Um, just the, the length of the journey. But these guys are not only incredibly talented, but they're selfless. They love each other, they play for each other, and you see the result. Talk about two guys who have had huge games, Steph and Kevin Durant. But without the performance of Clay Thompson in both game sixes, last year in the conference finals, and this, how does Clay Thompson help this group work? He's a machine. You know, he, he just keeps coming. Uh, every day he's defending the best player on the other team. He's running off screens like Reggie Miller, and, and uh, he's, he's just a, a machine. He's there for us every single day. Congratulations, Steve. It's time now for the presentation of the 2018 Bill Russell MVP Trophy. And to do the honors, please welcome back Adam Silver. Bill, thank you for being here to help me present the Bill Russell MVP Trophy. And this year, the back-to-back NBA Finals MVP, Kevin Durant. Kevin, only 
six times in history has a player gone back-to-back -back MVP. And I know you take such incredible pride in your craft and the work you put into this. But how much of this is about more than just the winning and the titles and these individual accolades for you? Oh, this is about the journey, you know, all season, man. Getting up every day, going to work with these guys is, you know, it's amazing. The, the environment is, is incredible. It's, it's good for you to be around guys like this. It helps you become a better basketball player and a better man. And this is a journey that's better than a destination. You know, I'm happy I'm a part of this group. You have had to go through a man you have professed incredible respect for and has been a great champion in his own right, LeBron James. So can you give us some sense of two great players going at it head-to-head -head in this particular kind of environment? Uh, it's fun. It's fun as, uh, you know, the competition. Um, you, when you play against one of the best, it brings the best out of you as well. It brought the best out of our team. And I'm just grateful we got back-to-back -back championships and looking forward to going celebrating the locker room right now, actually. Go to it. Thank you, Kevin. If I can find Steph. Oh. Steph. You have talked a little bit about every season is a different journey, and you had to start this playoffs because of an injury without these guys, or the team started without you. So while you were out, what did you learn about your group? Um, we just know how to win, and I think uh, we, we really appreciate what everybody brings to the table every single game. And uh, for us to be back here, like you said, all the injuries we went through, a different journey through the playoffs, um, can't, can't get enough of this feeling. So we're going to celebrate it together. Do you know that for the men on this team, the foundational pieces, you and Andre and Draymond and Clay, you are in a group of only 2% of all NBA players in history who have at least three titles. So from where you started with this organization to that particular place, can you describe the transformation? Uh, I can't really. Every, uh, every day since we got together, it's all been about just getting better, uh, enjoying the moment, and uh, for us to hold this trophy three times. Uh, all, we know how, how much hard work went into it and the sacrifice that everybody brings. Um, I, I try to explain it, but that's, that's just part of who we are. We just you know, keep, keep, keep waking up every day trying to get better, and, and uh, we end up here. Congratulations. Clay, I'm not going to let you avoid me. I know you don't love this. <laughs> you know, you are content to quietly go about your business and let Steph and Kevin Durant sort of absorb the limelight. So what do you take your satisfaction from? Because you have a way of delivering when this team is absolutely in the most desperate need. Uh, just this right here. Um, this is so hard to do. And to do it three out of four years is incredible. Couldn't do it with this man, couldn't done it without this man, couldn't done, done it without the whole team. So we're blessed to have great chemistry. And uh, we're not done. We're just going to keep going and celebrate this tonight. And feels so good. Get used to this. <laughs> you just shared a moment with your dad who himself has an NBA championship and knows what that journey is. What is it like sharing that with somebody who understands what you're doing? Yeah, and I passed up my dad, so I'm pretty happy about that. Congratulations. The 2018 NBA champions, back-to-back, -back, the Golden State Warriors. Congratulations, Mike Green. Well, the first question, Joe on the left side, second row.
Joe Varden, Cleveland.com. LeBron, we're just learning about um, your hand injury, and we can obviously see the brace. Um, can you take us through what happened and if it caused you any problems over the final three games? Uh, what happened? Uh, self-inflicted. Post-game after game one. Uh, very emotional. Um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, understanding how important a game one is on the road for our ball club. Um, what would that done for us? Um, you know, um, the way we played, the calls that was made throughout the course of that game. And I had emotions on, you know, the game was taken away from us. I had emotions of um, you just don't get an opportunity like this on the road versus Golden State to be able to get a game one. And, um, you know, I let the emotions get the best of me and pretty much played the last three games with a broken hand. So. That's what, that's what it is. And then um, I recognize the finals just ended, uh, but I, I know you're ready for these these questions. Do you do you feel like you've played your last game for the Cavs? Um, I mean, I have no idea at this point. Um, you know, the one thing that I've always done um, is, is consider, you know, obviously my, my family, understanding, you know, especially where my boys are at this point in their age. Um, they were a lot younger. The last time I made a decision like this four years ago, you know, I got a teenage boy, a preteen, and a little girl right now that wasn't around as well. Um, so, you know, sitting down and, and, and considering everything, you know, but, you know, my family is, is a huge part of whatever I've decided to do um, in my career, and they will continue to be that. So I, I don't have an answer for you right now as far as that. Tim, all the way in the back. LeBron, two questions. One, all the way in the back. Two questions. One, how do you want this season to be remembered given you know guys in their 15th year don't do this at all how do you want this year to be remembered for me personally yes um i have no idea i mean um that's that's for you guys to kind of figure out uh, how you want to characterize my my 15th season um you know it's definitely been a whirlwind it's been um it's been ups and downs it's been good it's been bad um you know for me I just try to pay, you know, be consistent throughout the course of the season, be the leader I know I can be for this ball club, for this franchise every night, no matter what was going on from the outside or the, in, or the inside, and um, you know, be reliable every single day, showing up to work every single day, putting in the work, and um, you know, grinding every single day. So, um, you know, I don't, I have no idea how um, the story will be talked about in my season, but um, you know, that's not. I know I punch the clock in every single day, and that, that's for me to. Um, and I understand that, and I. I'm okay with that. And to kind of follow up on one of Joe's questions, you've gone through this dance that's coming this summer. You've gone through this a few times. Do you anticipate this just because of, like you said, the family and you know your kids going into high school and your age and all those things? Do you anticipate this summer being the toughest as far as deciding what the right path for you is? Um, no, I feel like 10 was the toughest. Rachel up front. Rachel Nichols, ESPN. LeBron, how would you characterize these playoffs for you? For me personally? Um, and the team. And the team. Um, you know, I, I wondered if we could could hit a switch um, some way, somehow, just because of the course of the regular season. It was just like, I don't know. You guys asked me a lot. You know, our beat writers, you know, kind of asked us throughout the whole, you know, season. And, and then we made the trades. And right before the playoffs, a couple 
couple of weeks before the playoffs, do you feel like your team is ready for the postseason? I, I didn't know. You know, it was just the unknown. I mean, our season was kind of the unknown. And, um, you know, I wondered if, if we can hit a switch in the postseason. Um, I figured if I stayed laser sharp, if I came in with the right mentality, if I came in with the right mindset that I could – you know, help fast track this, you know, throughout a lot of the games in the postseason because my experience and because some of the other guys that experienced a lot of games and I was able to do that, we was able to do that. And, um, uh, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, it's never a success, you know, it's never a success in the postseason when you lose, not not for me. Um, you know, I, I have no idea. But for me personally, um you know, like I said, being reliable to my teammates, um, being able to, to play the game at a higher level with, um, with as many games and as many miles that I have on my body and, and um, you know, put together a run like I had in the postseason. Um, it's something that I can, you know, kind of remember. Um, you, know, I, you know, the ending is, is um, obviously still fresh and, and still new and you never want to lose, and, and, and especially in this fashion, being a competitor. Um, but it is what it is, and you know, like I said, I punch my clock every day. I know you have no way to know yet whether your time here is over or not, but I'm wondering what playing with the word Cleveland across your chest has meant to you for this second run. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I came back because I felt like I had some unfinished business, um, you know, and you know, to be able to um, be a part of the championship team two years ago with the team that we had and, and, and in the fashion that we had is something I will always remember. Um, obviously, I think we all remember that. I mean, it ended the drought for Cleveland. It was 50-plus years. I think we will all remember that in sports history. So, you know, um, you know, when you have a goal, I think any individual, anybody, male, female, whoever the case may be, when you have a goal and you, you know, you like seek that goal out and you dream about that dream and you put everything and you can to uh, – guys like this brace, huh? <laughs> Guys like this, like this cast. So me, you want me to sit, here, sit right here for it? Huh? <laughs> I don't even know where I was, Rach. Uh, I'm sorry. Next question. I'm sorry. Good. Dave, standing on the left. Dave McMenamin, of an ESPN. LeBron, in 2010, you basically started, or were part of a team starting from scratch in 2014, same process, and then four months ago, and we're able to get to the finals. If you had to do that again in your career, you know, basically start a, a team from scratch, what have you learned from, from this year um, that you know, you're a different team in February from what you are playing with in the finals? Well, it's, it's definitely not the most comfortable thing um, you know, to start a team from scratch because you, you, um, the most important is health because you, you, you need to you know, build chemistry so fast and, and, and camaraderie so fast on the floor and if you have multiple injuries or you have multiple bodies out you know when you're starting fresh it's, it's too hard you know and, and I think you know um, you know with this with this season that's that's what you kind of saw um, the difference between this season and the difference between my first year in Miami we didn't have many injuries um, at all we were definitely fresh together but myself and D Wade and Bosch um, you know, UD, you know, Mike Miller had a few injuries, but Chalmers was available, you know, and pretty much our team, we, we, we were pretty solid as far as being injury, not being injury prone. Um, obviously, my first year back here, we were headed in the right direction, and then we, we hit the postseason, and Kev has a separated shoulder with the tie with Ola Nick and then Kyrie, 
you know, goes down in, in the, like the first or second possession in overtime of game one in the finals. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's just huge. So, um, you know, being a part of the, the, you know, the start fresh mode is something that you definitely don't want to be a part of. It's, it's you know, it has its, it has its uh, pros and it, and it definitely, it definitely has its cons. Jason up here. When you tell Rachel you had you came back as an unfinished business, does one championship finish that business? I mean, that's a trick question at the end of the day, and I'm not falling for that. It's not a trick. No, yes, it is. Um, I mean, for me, I still have so much to give to the game. And, um, you know, like I said, when you have a goal um, and you're able to accomplish that goal, it actually, for me personally, made me even more hungry to continue to try to win championships. And I still want to be in championship mode. And I think I, I've showed this year why I will still continue to be in championship mode. And the, when you came back in 14 and we did the thing at InfoCision, understanding things, things can change in four years, but you said you don't plan on going anywhere, you can't go through this again. What, what did you mean by that, and what's this process like, this free agency process of having to make a decision of where what, Can you just take us through, shed some light on what that process is like? Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to take you through all, throughout the whole process. That's not fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, you know, when I decide what I'm going to do with my future, uh, you know, my family and, and the folks that have been with me for the last, you know, 20 years pretty much, um, will have a say-so. And then it ultimately will come down to me. So um, we'll see what happens. Howard, standing on the left. Howard, back with Bleacher Report. LeBron, when you made the move in 2010, obviously you had certain goals and, and, and things in mind that, that made you, uh, pushed you toward that decision. Similar 2014. Are the decisions or the, the, the thought process priorities different at, at age 33, 15 years in than they would have been at those other junctures? No, I don't think so. You know, to be able to, uh, you know, I made the move in 2010 to be able to, you know, play with talented uh, players, cerebral players, um, that you could see things that happen before they happen on the floor, and, and your teammate can do the same. You know, throughout the course of a, uh, throughout the course of a season, throughout the course of a game, throughout the course of a playoffs, throughout the course of the finals. Um, so when you when you feel like you, you um, when you feel like you're really good at your craft, I think um, it's always great to be able to be around, um, you know, other great minds as well, you know, and other great ball players in my instance, and other great, uh, you know, just you know, I think studies of the game itself. So um, that's never changed, uh, even when I came here, you know, in, in '14. Uh, I want to try to surround myself and, and, and surround this franchise with, you know, great minds and guys that actually think outside the box of the game and not just go out and play it. Mark, last one in the back left. Hi, New York Times. LeBron, whatever you decide this summer, how likely is it that down the road you would want to actually own the Cavs and, and be the guy in charge here? Um, well, that um, top athlete, money per year thing came out last week and I was I was six so I'm in no way shape and form putting myself in a position right now to own a team um, I think Floyd was one at like 252 um, so um, obviously I don't have a um, boxing hand um, so boxing won't be the sport I'll be going to um, 
I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Mark, I think for me, um, staying around the game, being around the game uh, will be something I'll probably do for the rest of my life, either, you know, while I'm playing for this, you know, this later stage of my career, um, you know, advising, you know, people in the NBA, uh, whatever the case may be. But, you know, my, I got two boys that play the game as well. So um, I don't know. You know, I can't I can't predict the future on ownership and things of that nature. But um, I have a, no, a lot of knowledge of the game. Um, I understand talent. I know talent. Um, but I know the right questions to ask uh, certain guys and see if they're smart enough to actually think the game as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. Thank you, LeBron. Appreciate it. Sports social with Ed Easton Jr. And listen, we talked about obviously this this whole NBA season, and it was way back in the beginning. Uh, I actually spoke to this guy. He's the, the biggest Brooklyn Nets fan out there, as well as the biggest LeBron James fan. I have Mr. Danny Class A back on the show. Uh, Danny, thanks for taking the time to to speak to me on this. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. No problem. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking about the Brooklyn Nets at the beginning of the season, and now it's the end of the year, and we're talking about, once again, the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers for a fourth straight year meeting in the NBA Finals. But this time it ends in a sweep. I just have to ask you, I mean, we all have the same assessment, but I need to get your your complete thoughts. Was this really ever a series to begin with? Well, it's, it's tough because, what, two of the four games were competitive. So if you look at game one and game three, they were kind of close. But a lot of it is how you feel inside and the way – I gather is most people didn't really think the outcome of the series was ever in question. So while some of the contests were very close, I don't think the feeling was that LeBron could pull this off. But after game one, it felt that way. So I I, I really, to answer your question, I, I don't think, at least for me, as soon as game seven ended against the Celtics, I thought this was a foregone conclusion. But game one kind of put that in doubt when LeBron, had 50 points, and it kind of seemed like maybe he could do this by himself, but then you quickly realized that the outcome of game one was so overwhelming that probably wasn't in the cards for him. Yeah, you know, obviously the outcome of game one, we could go down the whole J.R. Smith debacle again, but uh, let's be honest, if if, uh, George Hill makes that free throw, maybe we're talking about a totally different series here. Like, yeah, I think that's, yeah. That's something that's going ignored. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the perception is that basically, I feel, I felt like the Cavs looked like the better team in Game One, and it seemed like something that could have been sustainable the rest of the series, and it would have put more pressure on guys like Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant looked horrible that game, and he just looked like he did for a huge portion of the Houston Rockets series where it seemed like if you were guarding him, you could push him out to the high post. If he was posting up, he wasn't really looking to do much. He just looked like a deferential deferential version of Kevin Durant. But after winning that game, you, you got the sense that the Warriors were playing with house money, and you don't want a team with that level of talent feeling like they have house money because then it's just the floodgates open. And I almost don't even know how to kind of measure that guess mind-blowing information that LeBron hurt his hand 
Like, because like now I don't know if it's really true. Yeah. Like, so after that game, was his hand really hurt, or and and the series was basically had no shot of him of it being competitive, or was that just something that kind of came out of the blue that he had to do for public response? Like, was that was that the Jay Prince calling in and saying, "Hey, this is over." Because <laughs> like, was that his his thing? But I don't know. It was it was it. I do agree that could have changed the perception of the series. Um, but game one, it was the Warriors were playing with house money, and you don't want to give a team with that type of talent that leeway. And it's uh, it's funny you brought up the whole thing with the hand. I just thought there was a you know just going back to game four itself. There was a moment where he did like grab at his hand as if he was like he was hit hard. Uh, it happened in the third quarter. I was watching the replay of it. But that was the only time I've ever seen him the entire series like look like there was a problem with his hand. I've seen him like go at his ankle or his knee for a moment. But uh that was the only time you know, I saw it and he said he played with it throughout the whole series after game one. I, I just don't I don't believe that part. That part I don't really understand why you would go that route. And I, I do want to piggyback off of what Charles Barkley was saying right after the game, how he lost the LeBron, and it just that game basically killed the whole Michael Jordan comparison because he didn't take that many shots. I mean, you had a guy like Ronnie Hood come off the bench and take a couple of more shots than LeBron did. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, what what did he take, like 13, 14 shots? So, yeah, for our elimination game. Yeah, so the output was kind of very, very not in par with what you think LeBron would do in a final uh, clinching game for the Warriors. But I, I feel like we arrive at this point every time LeBron loses in the finals, which is a lot considering his career. I think we all know that it's always on ESPN. But I, I don't think the joining comparisons can ever end because they drive sports talk. And if they end, what are the sports talk people going to talk about? <laughs> so so uh, next year we'll be at the point where he's averaging – 35, 10, and 8, and whatever team he plays in the playoffs, and we'll start doing that again. And, and, and the LeBron fans who, like me, will say, you know, this guy never took years off, and the Jordan fans will, will say, well, did he accomplish more in less time? And I think for the most part, even Jordan and MJ fans, I mean, LeBron and MJ fans know that the Warriors were really, really good. And even if he did play out of his world, as we saw in game one, the Warriors still were the favorite. So while it is it is true, LeBron was playing weird, but I, the injury throws everything into a loop because I don't know how to judge him now. I don't know if it was a valid injury or if it was, like I said before, public relations, damage control. So I don't get the perception anyone thinks that if LeBron did go all out, he was going to win that series. I guess it's more of a narrative thing where you would assume that He's going to go out Kobe style. So if he is going to lose, he's going to go seven for 27. He's not going to go six for 13. But that's just who LeBron is, and we all know that that's what he does. Even in the Mavericks, that was he wasn't having bad games. He was just not going all out. And I think we saw that in 2011, and we saw that happen in game four. It kind of happens every so often. It even happened last year against yeah, the Celtics. Dude. Remember that? Remember yeah. when they when they blew two games and it was kind of like Kyrie had to take over. Now, they were never going to lose that series, but that mm-hmm. happens with LeBron James, and that's just what it is. 
No, I definitely agree with that. That whole thing you talk about with the Mavericks, there was another series, and this was his last game with the Miami Heat uh, against the Spurs where he just completely gave up at the end. And people yes. are going to notice that. When you're the best player in the world, people are going to just pick out every little thing. And I, I really, you know, I watched that game, and I kept saying that. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's not a third floor. Like, it's, you could just tell his body language. I mean, you got to put up some type of fight. Even if you're putting up just chucking up threes, you got you to gotta show it, you know? Yeah, and I I was I think the, with that. Yeah, I think for me what I noticed most was the pick and roll and kind of just the, the switching that was very, very lackluster in the defense. Um, like he would, he would have Cameron Durant on him or, and Rodney Hood would, would be on the other person. And then when, when they switched, he would, he would go with Rodney Hood's defender. I'm like, stay on Kevin Durant. You cannot, you cannot switch yeah. pick and rolls so easily. This is the finals. You have to play that ball. For the first time. <laughs> yeah. It looked weird. Yeah. It looked like, um, it looked as if he knew it was over. So he didn't want to put himself out there. And I think that's what Barkley is picking at. And it's certainly a valid critique. And I'm just putting myself in the mind of a LeBron James fan, which I am. They probably, yeah, we say. probably, we probably say it's okay because, you know, he doesn't have the parts around him. And I, I just think that's always going to be the disconnect between LeBron and MJ fans is that LeBron fans tend to look at his career macro. Right, we look at everything. We look, we look at the stats, mm-hmm. and Jordan fans look at things micro. So they look at the game six moment, the you know the fadeaway, and they compare these macro to micro moments, and and that's always going to be the disconnect. And that's why <laughs> each other will never be able to see each other's side, maybe until ten years from now, twenty years from now. So it's a it's a macro it's it's a macro Macron James versus micro Jordan. Like that's that's what we're doing here, and. It's 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 a fascinating conversation, and I I don't see it ending because I mean, it drives sports talk, and we're in we're talking about it right now. So we definitely are, but don't worry. Give it another month. We'll be talking about Tom Brady and Belichick. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, the other, you know? yeah, yeah. It's Floyd Mayweather the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's Floyd Mayweather the greatest. But you got that definitely. one. Now, my, my last my last question now. Where does he go? This is already everyone has already made the fake uniforms all over the internet. I know it's cliche. I know it's not sports radio, but I I don't I don't have a clue, man. I can't predict this guy. He calls the shots, and he likes keeping it close to the vest. I would like to see him stay in the Eastern Conference, um, but I just don't see the opportunity for him to beat the Warriors if he stays in the Eastern Conference. So he has to go to a Western team, and if he stays in the Eastern Conference, he's going to have to get Paul George or someone. And even if he joins a team like the Sixers, in my head, I'm thinking, can he beat the Warriors? Because the Warriors are going to still be awesome. And and even if he gets Paul George to join the Cavs, can he st- can he beat? Is, is, is Paul George worse, worth four games? Like, is he going to get you four games against the Warriors? I I just don't see that. And I think if he wants to win, I would love to see him with a guy who game plans like Popovich and Kawhi Leonard and a guy who game plans like D'Antoni. 
and I think Houston's the closest. So I would like to see him with Houston or or um, San Antonio. But San Antonio is a can of worms. I don't really think LeBron is ready for. I don't know how he's going to be able to clash with a guy like Popovich, yeah, who basically Popovich runs the organization. He's in full control of that team. LeBron is going to control a control guy himself. So that's couldn't get along I, with I Pat Riley. So yeah, yeah, but I I can never see that happening. Um, yeah, I, I, I see your point. Session. But uh, I do want to bring this up to any of the guy that like you know like to browse around and watch different things going on. Like, this last couple of days have been amazing. I think it's sports. You know, you had the NBA finals ending. They had a dip before that. The Phoenix Suns ending as well, with the Washington Capitals winning the Stanley Cup. You also had the French the French Open ending this past weekend. And uh, I think what the Sunday series in baseball, the triple crown in um, in horse racing, do you feel like this had to be one of the, the best uh, couple days stretches in sports history? Hmm. Hmm. Was there a time when? What about that time when Boston was winning? Sorry. What about that time when like Boston was winning all of the championships? Like the Boston teams were winning all of the championships. Wasn't that the short succession? That was interesting. I mean, that's, yeah. that's interesting, yeah. I remember that was like 2008. You want to go back there? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to look at everything. Um, and, and then, I don't, I don't want to be such an NBA fan, but when LeBron joined the Heat and he lost, oh, my God. That was awesome. But I know what you're saying, all sports together. At one yeah. time, but I have to I have to go with when Boston was winning all the championships. I can't pinpoint the years, but certainly I just don't think hockey resonates with the casuals. So I don't know. Maybe we're having a disconnect here where I'm talking about the casual perception versus uh, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was also and I didn't even mention I it was like two different boxing uh, championships on the line. You know, I think it was like Showtime had boxing. Uh, ESPN had we're, boxing. We're really gonna do that now. We're going to count boxing. <laughs> we're going to be like, oh, Horn and Crawford. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to. CM Punk was, was trending. Him getting what? beat up again. The lot going on. Yes. I mean, 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 I I think we have to look at the big picture because I feel like we're we're off fresh off something and we might have some reason to be biased here. Uh, right, I don't think I, I, what. I said fair enough. I just thought I'd throw that out there and just get your opinion. Really. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't embrace it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I didn't embrace the hot take. I'm sorry. <laughs> Danny, as always, thank you very much. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Where can what's your name on Twitter so everybody can follow you? Pablo Dollars. P A B L O D O L L A S Twitter dot com backslash. I don't even know how to say that. I don't. When's the last time someone said their hands like that? But anyway, yeah, follow me there. Take it back to two thousand eight, like you know. Yeah, backslash. Yeah, backslash <laughs> at Pablo Dallas. <laughs> there you go, Danny. Thanks again, man. No problem, man. It's not always easy being a dad. When's the fairy princess coming? Any minute now. What? What do you mean she's not coming? But it's always worth it. It's a fairy princess! It is I, Groove Zinkle Pen! Yeah! 
The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. I know it's really you, Drew. I'm just pretending for the other kids. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4-DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Rattled on around Perron. Checked off by Wilson. Given on over to England. Moving on in. And he got the blast with the shot. Well, England's had three good chances in this game. Here's Perron. Here comes Vrana, and he goes top shelf over the glove of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's got speed, he's got finish, and he just finishes high glove on Fleury. Sent it around behind, and William Carlson got it on now to Marcheseau. Trying to dodge the lean of Niskanen, it's given back on now to Schmidt. Schmidt is shot, he's got There's Schmidt with the shot. And it looks like it goes in off Niskanen's skate. So that won't be a problem. That'll be a good goal right there. Now carrying back in and while falling, Ovechkin's shot was stopped by Flurry, and there'll be a penalty for tripping. And so the Capitals on the rush by Ovechkin will go back on the power play. Then to the back it comes to Carlson. Carlson shoves it across. Backstrom with it there. Backstrom just holding. Ovechkin scores! One of my options, quick little pass. Ovechkin drifts all the way down. No chance for Flurry, but look at that pass. Right on the tape and right in the wheelhouse. It doesn't get any better than that. Smith Pelly trying to clear once and it failed. Eakin gave it across. Miller with a shot. Guided on goal. Score! Watch 57 and Green. He's going to go behind. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. What does the skate do right there? Does it stop the ability of Holpe to make the save? You see Holpe push right away with his stick. Watch the skate. Not yet. Keep going. And then there. Well, when Juice is pushing him down, he's pushing him back on his heels of his skates. Of course, your skates are going to come out. I think this is a good goal. After the coach's challenge, it's been determined that there is no goaltender interference. Therefore, all of sense, we have a goal. Here's Stevenson around behind. Right to the back. Carlson, a shot save made by Murray on a deflection. My goodness. And then John Carlson's shot deflected by Theodore. That's how he broke his stick. And then a tremendous save again. A little over 2.20 to go. This one comes across. William Carlson tripped up on the play. And a penalty coming up to the Capitals. Delayed call on. And we get the call coming now with 2.14 to go. The call is a trip and a power play to the Golden Knights. Now taken by Neal. Led back to the back. Theodore shot. Save made. Rebound touch. Second chance, a wide open net. Hope he loses his net, but what a pass from Alex Tuck right there. That time they found a way, and it was a great job by Shea Theodore and the brilliance of Alex Tuck to find Riley Smith. So they can get a breather, but this comes back on to Neil. Neil got it back. 
Toe drag and a shot by Nosek that was saved by Holtby. Beagle there, couldn't come up with it. Still trying to battle. Orpik goes riding in heavily. And along it comes now for Juice. Lost it there. Neil with a combination play in front that would not go. Neil to Tuck. And it goes off the side of the net. He wasn't at an angle to put it in directly. But Tuck just trying to bank it in off the goaltender. Got all net. McCauley. And here's Kennedy. Save made on the play by Flurry. They try to clear it out. Can't do it. Here's Ovechkin to the slot. Got it across. Kuznetsov. Save. Flurry. A spectacular showdown against those two stars. Smith Belly carried Spiza off. Puck comes on back. Orpik threw one around and got Smith Belly. Stars! Devontae Smith Belly has tied the game. Smith Belly, four check. Brooks Orpik throws it to the front of the net, and if Smith Belly is going down, he beats Marc Andre Fleury. Pass is picked up and carried up by Kempney. Kempney able to pop it back in. Lucas Pisa to take that, and he gave it up there, and it's bent back off for Connolly. Save, rebound, score! It's Eller. It's four to three Capitals. Brett Connolly finds himself wide open in the slot. The shot, second chance opportunity, and Lars Eller puts it into the wide open net. Gets inside position. And the Capitals with a one-goal lead here in Game 5. Held there by Miller, and the shot rattled around, but wound up going off the defender, Juice. Now taken to the outside and led on to the back. It's given across, Miller and drive, save! Made by Holtman, he's able to cover up and get the whistle. Held there by Tuck, given back to Marcheseau. Fed one to the slot, challenged there by Kuznetsov, and down went Smith. Taken on by Eller. Eller able to lift one back down the ice, and it is wide. They hurry back down to get the which they do, six tenths of a second. They will double check the clock to make sure that that is accurate. Off the face off, the Capitals have won it. The capital of the country is the capital of the hockey playoffs. They rush out onto the ice to congratulate Braden Holtby. The Washington Capitals, for the first time in their 44-year history, are the Stanley Cup champions. the pregame skate it was between 8 and 29 and there they are Alex Ovechkin it's your honor come on up DJ everybody dreams of winning the Stanley Cup they're in their basement, they're in their driveway. You win the Stanley Cup in the driveway. Does it feel that much better here? Oh, you could have never imagined the, the feeling like this for, for all the kids at home and everyone that has a dream, dream of lifting that thing. You can, you can never get prepared for it. That's, besides my family, that's one of the best feelings I've ever had. Talk about your family. Winning the Stanley Cup, it means a lot to you, but it also means a lot to your close family, your dad, your mom. Talk about them. Yeah. Uh, my dad, uh, oh, boy. 
He doesn't, uh, he doesn't remember uh, a lot of stuff uh, these days. Um, he remembers enough, but I tell you what, he's here tonight. I don't know where he's at, but uh, this one will stick with him forever. You can guarantee that. I don't think there's much more to say after that. Congratulations, TJ. Enjoy this with your family. Thanks, Enjoy this with your teammates. Thank Proud you. of you. Thank you. I want to take the time to thank my guest Danny Classe for always giving his uh, unbridled wisdom with nothing holding back. He just tells he tells it how it is. I mean, that's why I always go to the guy for his thoughts on LeBron James, Brooklyn Nets, or just anything going on in the world of sports. Uh, follow him at Pablo Dollars on Twitter. He's very opinionated on there as well. Uh, and like I said, this was a crazy week in sports. Triple Crown winner, uh, new NBA. Well, no, not new. Back to back NBA champions. But we do have a new champion in hockey, uh, French Open champions. It's just so much. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And hopefully next week is just as good. Probably won't be, but pretty sure it's going to be just as many great stories in the world of sports. Until next time, you've been listening to Sports Social with Eddie C. Jr. on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, as well as iHeartRadio.